This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Friday show, the end of another week. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you are listening to The Word to Stand on for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, life questions, um, whatever's on your heart, I'll do the best I can to answer. All you need to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340 340- 9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app if you are driving in your car. The safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Use the hands-free feature of your phone, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Our main number, one more time, is 340-9585. Tonight, I'm going to be teaching 1 Peter in chapter 2. We're going to go from verses 5 through 12. Uh, Really a good study, I think, an encouraging one, I hope. Uh, That's tonight, and then we are going to uh, go to the cross on Sunday with Jesus um, here at Calvary Chapel as we're nearing the end of the Gospel of Luke. Whatever it is that you're going to do at church, offer your body to God as a living sacrifice. Be available, be willing to be used by the Lord to, to minister to somebody else. It will change your church experience forever. Well, let me go right to the phones and talk with Matt on line one from San Antonio. Matt, thanks for calling early. You're on the air. Hey, sir, uh, how, how are you, Pastor Ron? Um, Doing I well. I had a couple of quick questions. Thank you, sir. Okay. Uh, I had a couple of quick questions for you. I wanted to ask you, uh, get your perspective on something. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm, I'm on the road right now, so I can okay. listen on the radio. But um, what, what's your, uh, what, what are your thoughts on suicide? And, uh, how do you, what, what's your advice to that? I've always... I, I don't know if you remember me, but I called a few weeks ago, but I just kind of feel like I don't know if I should just make a decision to end my life, and I don't I don't really know. I've been trying to pray about it, but um, i just like to get your thoughts on that and what you have to say about somebody that feels like they're not enough in this life. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Brock. Okay, Matt, I can do that. And Matt, I can hear the pain in your voice, and that's why I was um, especially quiet. I wanted to wanted to see if maybe the Spirit of God was speaking anything to my heart. Uh, a couple of things, Matt, and, and this is more important for you to understand than anything else that's going to be said uh, on this radio program today. So I'm going to take plenty of time. I'm going to be as clear as I possibly can. Matt, as a Christian, and I know you are, you have called here before, Um, You have no right to take your life. The Bible says you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Uh, And thus you have no right. Jesus is the author of life. He's the finisher of life. He's the one who decided in eternity past that he was going to love you no matter what. And he is the author and the finisher or perfecter of your faith. And we don't get to have a jumping off point. Now, I know that kind of sounds callous. I can hear the pain in your heart. But here's what you have to understand, Matt, is God wants to use you until he's done 
Not until you're done. Not until you're ready to give up. God wants to use you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a life that's going to be full and rich and abundant. And by abundant, you know, I think, Matt, you've listened long enough. I don't mean financially, but, but he's got a life for you. And he's got crowns of righteousness waiting for you in heaven. And for you to end your life because you're going through a difficult time or because you just don't feel like you've never measured up, you're never enough for someone, Jesus looks at you and says, Matt, just come to me. The other thing you have to understand, Matt, about suicide and suicidal ideation is that that's always, and I don't mean almost always, I mean 100% of the time that's an enemy. The devil wants to kill, to rob, to steal, and destroy. And nothing delights the enemy more than taking out a Christian. Compromise your witness, the heart that you share Jesus with with others. He wants to compromise that. So recognize it as an attack from the enemy and then run, Matt, to the arms of Jesus. And I think sometimes, especially when we're depressed, I think sometimes we spend so much time around ourselves that we're unable to get into the place where Jesus is, where he's waiting for you with his arms wide open. So that's the first thing to recognize. You have no right to take your own life. If you are a Christian, Matt, then you have to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ because he loves you, because he has a plan for you, and you don't want to let the enemy win. I know how desperate people get. I've been a pastor for 25 years, and I do know that desperation but it's almost always met, almost always a result of spending just too much time in your pain. I want you to just try to follow this picture with me if you can, Matt. Use your imagination. When we're really overwhelmed like you are, all we can see is the pain around us or our circumstances. Jesus is asking you to look a little bit higher than all of those things. Imagine Jesus standing right in front of you and your head sort of down and you're lost in your own pain. And Jesus puts his fingers under your chin and he gives you help as he tilts your head up and he's saying, no, no, look up. Look up, Matt. And you look up a little bit and he says, no, 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 look higher. And what he wants you to see is him smiling at you. I'm going to give you a homework assignment, Matt, right after I'm off the air with your question here. I want you to pull over. I see you're on the road, but pull over, open your Bible, and read Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. It's not a lot, but that's the Jesus that Christians are going to see. And that's the Jesus that has you in his hands. And he wants to deliver you through this pain and this misery that you're in. And right now, Matt's the time to prove you're a tough guy. And I mean, when I, for you, Matt, and for the rest of the audience, whenever I use the word tough, I don't mean macho, I mean tough in, in the most complimentary of ways. Now's when you have to be so tough that you've got to fight as you've never fought before. Recognize that it's an enemy who wants to kill you and fight, but you don't fight alone. That's a really great thing about being a believer. You really don't fight alone, Matt. You fight by letting Jesus do the fighting for you. So you run to him. And here's what you'll experience if you'll give him the opportunity. You'll experience the power of Jesus in you, coming through you to fight the lies of the enemy. Regarding the question about whether you're enough, how do you deal with life if you've never been enough and you've never satisfied people or you've never met other people's standards, 
you know, the one great thing, man, about being a Christian is the only standard we have to keep is God's. And you say, well, that's the problem. I can't keep that standard. I know, but Jesus has already done that for you. And you're trying really hard to do better, and you can't. Now, I can't either, Matt. So what you do is you hold on to him, knowing that he's given perfection to you. Now, we're still working out this whole process of, of perfection, sanctification. But, but this is how God sees you. And Matt, you need to understand that he looks at you and he's absolutely thrilled with you. He loves you. And all he wants you to do is trust him, to count on him, and you do that by turning to Him. And so this isn't a matter of whether or not you measure up, because you don't, Matt, and I don't. But Jesus has made sure that we both do. So please, Matt, please, let me say one more thing, and then we'll get here. Matt, um, I don't know where you go to church, but I will extend an invitation for you to visit us tonight. We're here at 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a really good, encouraging Bible study. And I'll get some people around you who will put their arms around you, pray for you. Some who've gone through the same kind of terrible trial that you're going through now. But this is a time you need not to be alone. This is a time you need brothers and sisters around you. Who will help you fight? So if you don't have a church, we'd love to see you tonight. Let somebody know you're Matt from the radio and tell them to come get Pastor on. We want to help. If you do have a church, Matt, then go to your pastor. Get some help and get some help now. Don't be ashamed. Just say, I need help. Truth is, none of us can fight alone. So Matt, we're going to be praying for you, and there's thousands and thousands of people who are praying for you now, and God is with you. And you don't have the right, because you pledged your life to Him. He's the one who holds you. You have no right to end your life. Matt, we're praying. Please, in the audience, be praying for Matt by name while he's in this time of struggle. Let's go to Reuben calling from Seguin. Reuben, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Thank you, sir. Uh, that last part was actually for me as well. Uh, <clears throat> my situation has gotten uh, more severe with my physical, my spinal stenosis. Within a span of four days, I've lost mobility in my left leg, and uh, I'm going to lose my other mobility within the next month. And yesterday and today, I just, I cried and I cried and I asked God, I said, why is this happening to me? Why? And um, I just... I don't understand it, Pastor. I, I, I don't understand it. I've been through so much over the past five years. I'm just asking God. I'm just, I mean, I'm reading Job, and and then um, I go to the book of, uh, of Philippians, like you told me last week, and, and trying to, you know, balance them out, and I'm just like, why? Can you help me explain? Can you explain to me why? You know why we have to hurt. Mm. I mean, what? What? Ruben, I, I can uh, I can I can explain not the why, but I can explain the who, and and, and hopefully, if if the Lord will open your heart, uh, you'll hear His heart because this is. I think one of those times, you know, you said you've been reading the book of Job, and the, and the book of Job is, is an entire, it, it's poem, but, but it's an entire book about why. It's people asking why. 
And in the absence of an answer, they're coming up with their own why. Well, this must be why. That's Job's friends. And then Job would get to that place where he was defending himself and and, and crossing the line a little bit into self-righteousness. And the idea here, uh, Reuben, is that there is no answer to why. Uh, We live in a world that that is fallen, a world where people suffer. And suffering seems to us to be random, but God is with you. The Apostle Paul suffered to as great a degree or even greater as you did because we, we know it was a messenger from Satan, and yet the Lord's answer to Paul was, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's why he could write that wonderful letter on joy to the Philippians, and he wrote that in prison. He wrote that having had his back broken open and and, and being in the stocks and being condemned to to death, knowing that God was going to be the one who would deliver him if, in fact, that was going to happen. But there's no real answer why. Here's what I want you to remember. And and Reuben, um, um, I know you can't get here, but... But uh, if you get the opportunity to watch us online on Sunday, um, calvaryessay.com, I'm going to be talking about Jesus being on the cross. And he asked the why question, and he got no answer. Why have you forsaken me, he said. You know, he, he called his father at that moment God. The only time, my God, my God, the only time Jesus ever called his father anything other than Father or Abba. And there was no answer for Jesus, and yet God was with him. And in exactly the same way, Reuben, God is with you. And yes, our suffering gets overwhelming, and we become weary spiritually, physically, and emotionally. But this is the time when you've got to fight. I I just told Matt he's got to fight at the time that he feels the least like fighting. The same thing is true for you, Reuben. This is when you fight. This is when you open your Bible. This is when you hear from God speaking to your heart. It's the moment when the the presence of the Lord will be so palpable. Where you are, in your room, even on a bed of suffering, the presence of the Lord will be so palpable that you'll know He's there with you and He's hurting with you. And You see, Reuben, I haven't suffered the way you've suffered. But Jesus has. And he gets it. And he wants to comfort you in in ways that we can't possibly understand. So don't ask why. The question that we should ask is the question who? And the answer to that is obvious. It's Jesus. And he will be with you, the one who understands, the one who suffered to an infinitely greater degree, Now, I realize it doesn't make anybody who's suffering feel better when somebody else is suffering. But this is God who lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he'll let you know that he's with you and his grace will be, like it was for Paul, sufficient for Reuben to get through this crisis. So, Reuben, this isn't God punishing you. This isn't God turning his back on you. I suspect that this is a moment when God is wanting you more than anything else. He's wanting you to draw so close to him that he can literally, in a non-physical sense, wrap his arms around you and give you the comfort that only can come from God. And then you know what happens, Reuben, we serve a God who comforts us in all of our troubles. Here's a statement of purpose so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I know a lot of people who've been assigned seemingly a a bed of suffering. And God's grace is enough. And it will be for you too. Reuben, we're going to be praying for you all weekend as well. Please let me know you're doing okay first part of next week. 340-9585. Let's go to the second line. David from San Antonio. David, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. You probably don't remember me. I do. I know exactly who you are. I just want to encourage. Uh, I'm getting a little choked up. 
It's okay. Matt and Ruben, because I have been as far as they have, and this is dated material, but, you know, all I could see when I was where I was, was for some weird reason, everybody just kept getting either saved or they were just... Blow me away with uh, what Jesus was doing and watching him. And you know, when, when you're stuck, and maybe and I guess Ruben can't move in there, um, probably not as long. It'll probably be a lot longer, but uh, it's not, uh, no, it's not fun. But uh, you really can't see him. And I, I appreciate said to both of them, and I just want to encourage him to do exactly as you said, because what else can you do at times? Yep. And it strengthened my family, my marriage, uh, definitely my faith. And if you got nothing else to do, if you ask him to strengthen your faith, and not like you said, ask why, but ask who, and the other who is... You know, what do you want me to do? What can That's I do? Right. I'm so I'm going to get off, and uh, I just want to thank you. For that. I want to encourage them to to truly do as you ask them to. Thank you very thank much. You, David. David, we love you. We miss you, my friend. Let me share a minute. David didn't, uh, he was too emotional to, to share a lot, but for Reuben and for Matt, um, David knows suffering. Uh, I've known David for a lot of years. Um, um, we went through uh, uh, an attack. He was stricken um, instantly uh, overnight with Guillain-Barre, which is a condition that at first looks like a stroke, but it, it lasts a lot longer in the sense that it attacked his body and he wasn't able to move and do things in his speech and uh, virtually everything was affected. David was a guitar player, and I uh, couldn't play guitar. And, um, um, and and what he said, and Matt, this is for you especially, what he said was that wherever he was in this condition, it seemed like he would share Jesus with people and they'd all get saved. Over and over and over, David would call me and say, pray for so-and-so because he just gave his life to Jesus Christ and it was people that were ministering to him in, the, in, the, in the, the nursing home that he was in. So he understands the suffering and uh, we went through this whole thing. You know, we, Our first response is always say, why? But David really found the who. And as he just indicated, his presence is enough. God's not done using you. And so just be with him and let his power overwhelm you and give you the power that you don't have. Uh, David was not much of an evangelist before he was stricken with Guillain-Barre. Uh, afterwards, as I said, just people seemed to get saved all around him. And God has really, really done a great work in David and his family. And uh, I would just, uh, for you, Matt, and for you, Reuben, uh, it's one thing for a pastor to be able to tell you what the Bible says. David has lived through what you're living through. And imagine the fear and the discouragement, even depression that comes. David has lived through all of those things. So, David, I appreciate it. You were using the comfort gift that God has given you to comfort others. And uh, that's what Second Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that we are to do. Look for purpose. Look for the presence of the Lord. And look for the grace, the infinite grace of God that can overwhelm. David, thanks a lot. We are just now a little bit over one minute left, so I'm not going to try another question. So um, let me just remind you both again, Matt and Reuben, that you don't have to go through these things alone. The enemy would love to keep you alone. But you need not go through this alone. He loves you. His arms are open. If you give him the opportunity, he'll surround you with people who will provide you with the strength and encouragement 
and direction that you need. But see, now the next move is yours. If you move away from Jesus, the enemy is going to attack even more fiercely. If you move to Jesus, he's going to put that arm out and stomp the enemy in his tracks. Tough first half of the program, but these are real-life questions and real-life people. And, um, you know, our ministry here on this earth is to take care of the people that God has surrounded us with. Matt, Reuben, praying for you, David. Jesus is smiling at you. Thank you a lot. We've got 30 minutes left in our week. This is The Word to Stand In for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Two minutes. We'll be back after the break. If you have questions about the Bible, you can send them to Pastor Ron and he'll answer them on the air or reply directly to you. Email your questions to PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the second half of the program 340-9585 here's a question from our email inbox from greg he said how do we reconcile hebrews 927 Um, the statement that says all have been appointed to die once and then face the judgment with people we know have died and then been brought back to life. For instance, Elijah bringing back the widow's son or the young girl Jesus brought back to life, uh, not to mention Lazarus or Paul. Um, Greg, there's no reconciliation. The Hebrews 9.27 statement is a general truth. It's not uh, 100% true 100% of the time. Um, we're, we're told in Scripture about those who were who were raised from the dead. Those are obviously exceptions to this general statement of truth. But but I can go even farther down the corridor of time and space, because the truth is there's going to be a whole generation of Christians who aren't going to die. We're going to be raptured and taken to be in the presence of the Lord. So this is a general statement that is true. But it won't apply to every single person. This is the general truth. We're all going to die and then face the judgment. And I think it's very important that we understand that. And I think the, the, the import of the, of the statement is that uh, we know a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm going to go to purgatory. I'm going to people pray me out. Or I think Jesus is giving me a second chance. And the truth is, there's no second chance. Once we die in this life, Now remember, the miracles of Jesus, the miracles that Paul uh, performed, those were sign gifts, miracles and wonders. Uh, We don't see people being raised from the dead now like this. Um, So so the statement is still true. Um, We're born once, uh, we're going to die. And if we are born once, we're going to die twice. If we're born twice, born again, then we're only going to die once. But these bodies are all going to give out, short of being raptured. Uh, so this, Greg, is simply a general rule, um, but it is nonetheless true. It's just not true 100% of the time. So I hope that makes sense to you, Greg. Thank you very, very much. Here is a question from Carla from our mobile app. Um, what book of the Bible would you recommend a non-believer to start to read first. Thank you, Carla. Uh, I usually recommend for an unbeliever the Gospel of John. Um, Jesus there is presented in all of his glory as the Son of God who is God the Son. The emphasis in um, the Gospel of John is on the miracles of Jesus sort of authenticating his claim to be God. Uh, And it's written in such a way that uh, there's a um, obviously a tremendous opportunity for unbelievers to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So, Carla, I would say 
the book of the Bible to, to recommend first is the Gospel of John. And then a close second for me, and I've said this all the time, is, is Ephesians. Um, the first three chapters of Ephesians are all about what God has done for us. And then especially significant for a new believer, and I'm trusting by this point the person you're talking about will become a believer, is how we then ought to respond to what God has done. So uh, those are the books that I always recommend first, uh, the Gospel of John and the Gospel, um, uh, or at least the uh, Gospel as it's laid out in Ephesians. Good question. Here's from Scott, also from our email inbox. What was the purpose of Moses having to hold his staff in the air throughout the battle between the Amalekites and the Israelites in Exodus chapter 17? Um, Scott, the staff, we know the staff in and of itself had no power, but that was a symbol that God gave him. Uh, Moses, as long as your staff is out, then you will have victory. And Moses, because he's a human, he would get tired and, his, and, and the staff would fall down and then the other side would begin to prevail in the battle. And that's when Aaron and Hur, of course, would come alongside him, hold his arms up, and then the Israelites would prevail again. So uh, uh, this is simply God saying, uh, Moses, here's the symbol of your power. This is how the the Israelites are going to know that it is I who is delivering you. And uh, it was a, a visual sign of the power from heaven, the invisible power from heaven that God wanted all of the Israelites to see. That way they couldn't take credit for any victory. Um they would know that it was God who was there on their behalf. Now, we know that didn't have a lot of benefit for the Israelites because every time they came into another difficult situation, they'd start whining and grumbling and complaining again. But but God simply saying, you've seen my power now. It's interesting to me that after the Red Sea, they had to see anything else, but, but that's just the nature of humans. And Scott, this was just God saying... Um, this is how I'm going to work. I think there's also a great picture there with Aaron and her. Um, it's the Lord saying to all of us that none of us can do it alone. We need people to hold up one another's arms in a figurative sense. We need other people. You know, we, we have a, I can do it on my own kind of mentality in the Western church. And it just shouldn't be. We can't do it on our own. The Christian who removes himself from fellowship, his arms are going to fall down and the power of God is going to going to fade. But back in fellowship with the believer ministering one to another. Read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 um, and, and see the, the, the beauty of the body working together. You know, Scott, in, in, at our church, um, I wrongly get a lot of the credit for what God is doing. But the truth is, and I think the people here at Calvary Chapel know it, those who have been around a long time, that the truth is, is that I only have one role in this church. Sort of the mouthpiece. Um, um, and, and I teach, I do, I do what I've been gifted to do, and then God brings all of these other people around me to do what he's gifted them to do, and suddenly we make beautiful music. If you've ever been to a, a performance, a, a concert, or a, a symphony, uh, there is a conductor, and he stands in front, he's got a baton in his hands, he raises his arm, and then he brings that baton down the first time, and this beautiful music begins to play. Now, obviously, the musicians are gifted, they're talented, but without the conductor telling them when to play, and at what level or force to play. It would be just noise, a cacophony. Uh, I once went to a, a, a symphony, and to hear the, the musicians warming up, I mean, it just sounds like fingernails on a blackboard. But then when that baton goes up, and at the instruction of the conductor, the people begin to play their parts together. It's beautiful music. Well, that's what it's like in the church. So we've got people holding my arms up. I've got people whose arms I hold up. 
That's just the way it's supposed to be. So that's a great picture in the book of Exodus. Good question, Scott. Thank you for it very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Joshua. By the way, well, I got a phone call, so let me go to that one first. Um, let's go to line one, Robert from San Antonio. Robert, thanks for calling. You're on the air. How you doing, Pastor? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, you know, listening to Matt, I didn't quite get all the beginnings, but I definitely heard Ruben. Um, you know, living with pain is tough. Mm-hmm. Hard. Um, uh, I have suffered with degenerative disc disease, gone through nine major surgeries in my back, my neck, and my hip. And, uh, you know, um, it's, it's tough. It's tough. You know, you, you live with pain every day. And, and, uh, you know, in the beginning, you cry out to God and God, my Jesus specifically said, as my servant Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And it was just that simple. And it wasn't easy to swallow. Um, did depression still come? Absolutely. Did anger still come? Absolutely. You know, uh, uh, there are days when you would cry and to God and, and uh, you say, you can fix this. You're the creator. You're the father. You can fix it. And uh, he doesn't fix it. And so you come to terms, you know, and for me it's a matter of accepting that this is my walk. This is uh, something that I will deal with, and uh, I don't have a choice. Uh, did thoughts of, of uh, you know, suicide used to come? Absolutely. Yeah, those thoughts come because you're tired of the pain. Um but I can tell you that I have learned to walk and talk with Jesus 24-7, every hour, every minute. And if I'm not talking to him, I'm talking to a physical, earthly person, or I'm sleeping. And um, you give it up to him, and you put on a, a good you know that because the Lord gives you the joy in spite of the circumstances and uh, you keep pressing on you move on you know so Matt and Reuben you you press on you you uh, you stay with Jesus you speak to him you speak to him like you would speak to your 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 family member in person and let him speak back to you either through the word or or through an impression and uh, you hang on to him because it's him that allows you to go through pain. You know, so when people ask you, why are you doing? I'm doing fine, you know, praise God, you know, and, and uh, you know, uh, you are, you are fine. You know, uh, why do you want to uh, burden people with, you know, uh, things about, well, you know, yeah, you hurt. You know, I had someone ask me the other day, what's your pain level? Uh, it's about a five right now, uh, but, you know, uh, I did some work, you know, so it's kind of increasing, you know, uh, and it's okay, you know, you just know it's okay because uh, the Lord is with you and he takes you through it. And uh, each time he takes you through it, you know, you give him praise and glory and honor and every morning get up and you say, Father, I thank you that I today I can move and have my being I thank you, Jesus, that I'm alive and well and breathing. I thank you, Lord, that your mercies are renewed again this morning. I thank you, Lord, so much for what you did for me at Calvary, at the cross. And you keep pressing on with the joy and with the love of the Lord and with his peace. And you continue to praise him and serve him. So Matt and Reuben, hang in there. Be encouraged, my brothers. Be encouraged. Stay firm. Robert, Robert, his word. Yes. Robert, let me let me ask you a question for Matt. Um, when the suicidal thoughts came, when when things were really the worst, 
What would you have missed if you'd have given in to those thoughts from the, from the time when they came to, to where you are right now? Oh, I would have missed uh, the uh, growing of my son and daughter. I mean, uh, I would have missed where I'm at today and walking with the Lord. Uh, I mean, you think about it, you know, you would have missed everything from that point forward when your kids were in the middle of growing up. You know, you would never have experienced that. You, you would have missed uh, uh, being able to be a witness to other people and encouraging other people. Uh, there's a lot of things you would have missed. Yeah. Lots of rewards for sure. Robert, thank you. I'm going to talk about you for a couple of minutes, so uh, um, you can listen if you want to, if, if it'll embarrass you. Uh, don't worry about it, but thank you for calling and being a source of encouragement. Uh, you know, I want to, uh, I'll say what Robert wouldn't say. Um, uh, Robert, uh, um, you know, he, when he said pain levels of five, he, he mentioned a moment ago, Robert's five would be my ten. Uh, he's gone through so much pain and so much suffering. Uh, I was once at a, at a men's retreat, and obviously I know Robert well. And um, I was at a men's retreat with Robert, and I was just thinking, oh, so tell me about it. How, how are you feeling? What does it feel like? And and he was sort of out of the, the place where he was looking at his pain at a retreat, doing well. But then I, I sort of butted in and made him take a look back, and he started crying. And he was crying because... Um, um, all of that comes flooding back and he, and he looked at me and said, Pastor, I don't want to go through. I don't want to remember that pain. I want, to, I want to be in the moment with the Lord. That was Robert fighting and Robert uh, would have missed so much. He, his life has become abundantly fruitful. Uh, he's still in pain. Um, um, the, 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 the pain in his eyes at times makes me want to cry. And yet he's always there He's available to minister to others. On Friday night, tonight, you'll find Robert, uh, along with his wife, uh, up front, um, um, praying for people who come forward. And you see, Robert is one of those who's shared in the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings. And the result is that he has held on to Jesus so much more tightly than he would have if he didn't have any pain. So God's gift of pain to Robert, and I'm not minimizing anybody's pain, but God's gift of pain to Robert has made Robert more like Jesus than he ever could have been without it. And Robert has had to learn, and it is a learned skill, Robert's had to learn that his grace is sufficient. Robert's had to learn to cast those burdens upon the Lord when he has them. And um, it's just one of those things where we've we've benefited, our, our body has benefited. Um, do we pray and ask the Lord to remove the pain? Of course we do. But we also understand that the fact that there's still pain for you, Reuben, or Matt, for you, the fact that there is this overwhelming depression, this feeling of inadequacy, Jesus alone will overcome that. And Robert is a perfect example of that. Um, so, Robert, thank you so much. You used your gift of comfort uh, to encourage others today. 340-9585. Here is a question that I started to get to on Wednesday, and it was right at the end of the program, and I told Joshua I'd come back to it today. He said, what is the biggest threat to Christianity today, in your opinion? And, and my response quickly was biblical ignorance. We don't know our Bible. We don't know the promises God has made. And frankly, we don't believe them. And because we don't believe them, we can't walk by faith. Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we find ourselves, Joshua, walking um, trying to do the best we can and, and the best we can just isn't very good. That's one huge threat and I think the biggest threat. We simply don't know the promises of God. I tell our church all the time that if you would just read the promises in Romans chapter 8, forget the rest of the Bible, just the promises in Romans 8, 
by the way, if I was in prison somewhere, if I was on a, an island somewhere, uh, the, the, the one thing, if I couldn't have a Bible with me, the one thing I would want is to have memorized Romans chapter 8. Because just the promises in that one chapter, if we believe them, will change our lives. And it takes faith. We'll be exercising our faith at the same time. Um, we'll grow to be more and more like Jesus. Um, but I, I think there are other threats as well. I think, Joshua, uh, uh, the church is becoming too absorbed by the world that we live in. Instead of the church being separate from the Lord, or from the world, and different from the world, too much of the world, and in particular politics, has seeped into the church. My goodness, in our country, we equate being a Christian with being a Republican. That's not biblical. And we get people that call on this program that basically think if you're not voting Republican, if you're not anti-abortion, if you're not whatever the other standards are, then you're not saved. You can't be saved. And, And that's simply not true. And yet, because the world has so filtered into the church that honestly we can't see much difference between those who are not saved and many who are. I'll be talking about that a little bit tonight in our Bible study in First Peter chapter 2. So that's a threat. The threat's not the world. The threat's not persecution. God's church has always thrived when in the most danger physically. But the threat is that we've become too much like the world. So those are the things, Joshua, that I think constitute the biggest threats to Christianity today. But we need always to remember this, that Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. I just think what we're going to find, Joshua, and this breaks my heart to say it, but what we're going to find is that the church is a lot smaller than we think it is. God has always had a remnant. He still does. And a whole bunch of people that sit in church every Sunday are going to find themselves on the outside looking in. We don't want to surrender. We don't want to deny ourselves. Jesus said individually to be his disciple. We have to deny ourselves. And we don't want to do that. We want to indulge ourselves. And Jesus said that's not the way to do it. Here is an anonymous question. He says, uh, or she says, I don't know which, I need to know what I can do to help those struggling with same-sex attraction. Um, You know, anonymous, there's not a lot you can do for others. Um, You know, we've all got our own struggles with sin and temptation. But um, we can pray for people. Uh, We can share the truth of Jesus Christ, the glorious gospel. We can share the truth with them and we can stand for what is true instead of compromising, instead of taking them, well, you know, God loves everybody kind of approach. We need to take a stand. This is right and this is wrong. And when somebody that I counsel with is 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 dealing with same-sex attraction, I would just tell them that's a forbidden attraction. Yeah, I, it's real. We live in a fallen world and, and certainly we're we're broken. But the thing that we can't do, the thing that we have no right to do, is to give in to that attraction. Now, I can say exactly the same thing, Anonymous, with those who are involved uh, heterosexually with people they're not married to. I can't tell you how many people have told me, well, God just made me sexual. I really, I just need to be active sexually. Well, you need to say no to you. And that's what we have to do. We've got to let people know that there's a far greater promise, a far more fulfilling life saying no to temptation than there is in giving in to temptation. And so when you're ministering to people with same-sex attraction, let them know that God has a much better plan. Be honest with them and tell them, look, giving in to sin has never accomplished anything. A few moments of pleasure and then you're worse than you began. So here's what you got to do. you got to decide if he's God, he makes the rules. 
And if we're really His and we call Him Lord, then we got to follow the rules. And a lot of that requires denying self. Anonymous reason I put this question sort of ahead of the others is that we live in a time where we're going to have to deal with this very question over and over and over. You know, ever since uh, June of 2015, when our government blessed same-sex marriages, we have seen an exponential increase in what I call bi-curiosity or or um, uh, making a statement with our sexuality, you know, well, I'm being a rebel. Uh, the world says it's okay. It's a way to challenge parents, a way to challenge authority. And our kids are being raised in a world that says that's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. And if you're curious, go for it. And all these kids now who never thought of these things, who never would have thought of these things, are now, because they're connected online, they're giving a lot of their time and energy to thinking about these things, and the enemy has an opening big enough to drive a truck through, and he's destroying our families, he's destroying our children. And the world says it's okay. So parents, a warning when your kids are coming in saying, well, this is okay, this is who I really am, understand that they're paying a lot more time, spending a lot more time with the world on the internet than they are in the Word and with Jesus. Hey, thanks for the questions today. Matt, Reuben, we're praying for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. This has been the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. I'll be back on Monday on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. I need the word to stand on.